0: Welcome back to the How We Teach podcast. I'm Amanda Watson, your host. I'm excited to talk to Lisa Bozio from Novak Education today about learning goals and success criteria. And I'm sure learning goals sounds maybe boring or rudimentary, but the more I dig into the research, uh, the more I come across the use of learning goals and success criteria, for creating a solid foundation for uh, learning programs and learning experiences. In Ontario, our policy and guiding documents all include uh, sections dedicated to the importance of learning goals that are anchored in curriculum standards or expectations. And there's a strong reason for this, and it has to do with the science of how humans learn. As learners, we feel more secure and engaged when we have clear learning goals. When we know what we're aiming for and why on the cast udl website the guideline for learning goals says quote research shows the importance of incorporating periodical sorry periodic or persistent reminders of both the goal and its value in order to support students in sustaining effort and concentration in the face of attractive distractors i you know for me personally Things like Candy Crush or anything to do with backyard chickens both fall into that category of attractive distractors. And we know that uh, there's no shortage of these for our students as well. When the learning goals are always accessible and frequently referenced, we have a powerful way to engage students in the learning process. And students have something that will help them sustain their efforts and focus. Learning goals simply make learning easier because no one is left behind. And it always amazes me how such a simple starting point can have such a powerful impact on learning. Joining us today to talk about learning goals is Lisa Bozio from Novak Education. Lisa is an education consultant with Novak Education, which I call the UDL headquarters. Uh, She holds a Master of Education degree in teaching and curriculum, and she has been an educator herself for over 20 years. Lisa is passionately working towards one single goal, and that is to equip and empower teachers to invest in and impact the whole child academically, behaviorally, socially, and emotionally. Welcome, Lisa. I'm so excited to
1: have this conversation with you today. Oh, I'm so excited and such a privilege to be with you here today, Amanda. Oh, well, we I
0: feel just as privileged and I'm so thankful for your time today. So um,
1: if you could just tell us a little bit about your background and, and what you're working on. Sure. Um, first of all, Amanda, I will tell you, I never planned on ever being an educator, ever. <laughs> I, um, my schooling experience um, was good. I mean, obviously graduated high school, graduated college, and now have a master's degree. Um, But I'm coming from, or I came from the business sector. Um, Long story short, at the age of 32, I became a single mom, Mm -hmm. um, through tragic circumstances. And so I had to think, okay, what am I going to do um, in order to support my two children at that time, three and five. So people told me, hey, what about teaching? And I thought, because mm. I came from public relations, from journalism, so from the business sector. So I thought, well, you know, I'm good with people. I think I could do that. And plus, you know, teaching's so easy. I could just like open up the book. <laughs> And um, read the script and all the kids would just love it and be engaged and they would be empowered. And yeah, no, Amanda, wow. not. Um, so I did go back and get my teaching credential and have been an educator over, like you said, 20 years. Um, I've taught, I have a single I have a multiple subjects to, uh, credential, so I've taught mm-hmm. anywhere from kinder to sixth grade, fifth grade, and then I have an English authorization to where I can teach English um, as well, English language okay. arts. So um, I dove in to education not knowing what I was doing and totally aghast the kids, you know, <laughs> didn't want to sit still and learn from what <laughs> screen all day. So I had to rethink about the way I was teaching because this is what I know, Amanda. Kids don't need to be fixed. They don't. Mm-hmm. It's yep. it's the way we design our lessons. It's the way we engage our kids. It's the barriers we remove. Um, and so I had to look at myself instead of playing what I call the blame, shame, and the rename game. Blaming kids, mm-hmm. shaming kids, and then renaming it like it's not my right. responsibility. They didn't listen. So. Over the past 20 years, I've taught uh, multiple uh, grade levels, and um, in 2012, in my former school district in California, I was asked to be an instructional coach, which is my love. I love coming alongside educators, co-creating, collaborating, trying things talking about it. Um, And so I was an instructional coach and a mentor for new teachers and veteran teachers until I bumped into Dr. Katie Novak Mm -hmm. and we had a discussion. And approximately three years ago, she asked me to join her fabulous Novak team as, um, as a consultant. And, and I also, as a consultant, not just do, um, you know, the PD, But I also do what is my love, instructional coaching. So I get to go in with teachers and help them universally design their lessons and watch them teach. I co-teach with them and then we debrief and then we take the next baby step on how to create that inclusive environment. So all students don't just survive, but they can actually thrive.
0: Wow, Lisa, that's that's quite the journey. Um, and I, I, love, I love the, um, just the, the vulnerability on so many levels that you came into teaching with. And, and I can tell from your story that it wasn't always smooth sailing and that you had to learn a lot as you went along. Um, and to hear the passion you have now for, um, teaching and learning is, is, uh, I'm in awe. It's, 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 uh, an incredible journey. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. That's very inspiring. Um, when we think about learning goals and, and UDL, um, is there is there a um, like a, a something you use to frame this topic or to to really get folks connected with
1: um, this big idea? Yes, Amanda. Um, when we think about universal design for learning. The first thing do we always think about is, what do we want our students to know and be able to do? And that was super helpful for me, mm-hmm. um, learning how to actually teach and not rely upon the resources that I had, but to actually look at what we call in the United States, our standards. Mm-hmm. But I know you call them in Canada, the expectations. Like, right. what do our kids need to know and be able to do? So- yeah, I love the analogy because I love to travel, and actually I do a lot of traveling in my current position here at Novak, um, to kind of set the stage for learning goals and success criteria. So let me ask you, Amanda, have you taken or plan on taking a fabulous trip somewhere? And if so, can you tell us where was your ultimate goal, your ultimate okay. destination?
0: okay. Yes, I love. Well, I do love to travel, um, and one place that I go to a lot is Saint John's, Newfoundland. So um, I can definitely put this question in context of uh, context of what I've learned from um, traveling there
1: multiple times. Awesome. Okay, so if you have that goal to yep. go to this destination, right? So when you think about planning for this trip, do you just like? jump in a car and just like go or oh, do you what? just like jump on a plane or however you get there do you just like assume that you're gonna get to your destination with a concrete <laughs> plan Amanda I'm gonna say no right so we, we live about
0: two hours from the airport so there's a lot of travel just to even get near the plane right okay. and then <laughs> there, yeah, and okay. then there's so many variables um weather is a big one for this trip. Mm hmm.
1: Mm hmm. So so what I'm hearing you say, Amanda, is that if your ultimate destination, your ultimate goal is to go to Newfoundland. Right. You have yep. that goal. Yeah. You you have to have a strategic plan. Right. Goals, yes. maybe small goals, activities. Right. To focus you, to get you to your destination. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. OK, so that's the same situation in our educational environment when we look at our whatever our kids need to know and be able to do whether they be the expectations IB standards international baccalaureate standards um common core state standards here in the U.S. or whatever whatever the state or district or providence has mm-hmm. deemed as this is what kids need to know and be able to do yep you need to start off with a goal right and 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 yet not only do you start off with the goal, but you almost have to like kind of backwards map the different little goals, little activities that you need to do in order to get to your destination. Correct. Like you had to pack a suitcase. You had to (laughs) get in your car, right? You had to get gas. You had to, right. You had to make a plan towards the goal. Right. Right. Now, let me ask you, On your drive, so you've got your plan, you've got the steps that you need to take. Now, what if all of a sudden you decided to divert from that plan and go to some other location? Like, name one. Tell me, Amanda, because I'm not super Um, familiar. Chicago. Okay, so you just decided to go to Chicago, all right? So right there, that trip, that activity, that going to Chicago, would that lead you to your ultimate destination or distract you from that and take you away from that?
0: Oh, gosh, yeah. The the original destination would just be kaput, like there'd be nothing left of it. Right? All, all that planning and all all that, you know, thinking and yeah, no, it would be all
1: irrelevant. So that's why it's strategic that if we're going to go to a place, Newfoundland, In this situation with education, what do our kids need to know and be able to do? The firm goal, we have to make sure that everything that we have in there, activities, small target goals, that we can say, okay, we did this, we did this, have to align to that ultimate destination. And in our case, expectations, standards, right? Or else, yes, Yes. this is what I've learned, Amanda, in education, I'm wasting my precious instructional time, and right now, talking to teachers, teachers are already feeling overwhelmed and so and tired. So, having a strategic focus on the right, learning goal right. and what the success criteria is in order to get there, yeah, It's crucial. Right,
0: and it it's, you're making me think a lot right now, Lisa, because um, I, you know I brought up the variable of weather. So, when you pack, you have to sort of plan for different situations. And then I just thought, you know, if I have that goal of Newfoundland, and then if I just grabbed everything that I could that was related to Newfoundland, so like, um, kiss the cod. So I brought like a a fish (laughs) and, you know, like, um, some tartan or some plaid, that's not necessarily going to help me get to Newfoundland. So it would really need to be, as you say, when you're planning the activities and the experiences, um, I guess it would, it would need to be intentional to serve that, that purpose of, of getting to that goal.
1: Yes. And I love that. Very intentional, Amanda. And that's where whatever resources we're using, they don't know. It could be curriculum or a book or whatever teachers are using to teach things from, right? We cannot, we know there's barriers in there because they don't know our kids Every educator, educators out there, you know your kids better than any set of resources or whatever. And exactly like what you said, Amanda, we need to be very strategic and intentional on looking at whatever we're offering our students to say: Is this ultimately going to lead to the learning goal, the learning intention, our destination? Because if it's not, kiss the cod, boot it it's out. <laughs> We need to get rid of it, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I love that because you can, and I, I remember doing this as a teacher. Oh, I'm teaching a unit on World War I. I'm going to grab everything I can that's related to it. But without that goal in, in mind, a lot of that um, material is going to be irrelevant with respect to that learning goal.
1: Yes, yes. And like I said, teachers are stressed. They are. And my heart goes out to every educator that's listening to this podcast. And I know yours does too. So how can we lighten the load educators? Let's get super strategic. Let's get super intentional about everything we do. Does it lead to either proficiency or mastery of that goal? And if it doesn't get rid of it, tweak it, what you need to do, but we need to get super strategic so that everything aligns ultimately to that goal it could be the methods that we're using our materials and our assessments right
0: right Mm -hmm. yeah and it's um you know we we do feel so pressed right now um coming out of the pandemic um i think we're all carrying a lot of that stress and um sort of our threshold for for um exhaustion and burnout is is still pretty high Mm -hmm. um so i i feel like in in my experience with having that laser focus of the learning goal, it it allows you to be really economical with how you spend that precious prep time. And the the thing that I really love about UDL, there's so many things, but that it is, um, it uh, creates the conditions for a partnership with the students. So it's almost like less is more, less is actually better. Because instead of needing all those those mountains of resources, you have the resources that really matter, that will really be um, effective uh, for giving the students opportunities to reach that goal. And you can partner with those students to, to really find um, a good route. Um, the whole class might not take the same route, but that's OK as long as we all get to that final um, destination.
1: Yes. Yes, and and I just want to just um, pony on something that you said, that when we have our students as co-creators or partners in their education, that's going to build student efficacy, meaning that I can do this because mm-hmm. I'm being supported, and that right there goes right into one of the UDL principles, multiple means of engagement, because not only do we need to recruit interest, but how do we help kids persist when learning gets hard? Because honestly, learning's hard. Let's just not, it's it's not a fun meter. Right. Right. When the brain is actually having to learn something new, it grapples, it struggles, but that's where growth, that's where those neurons start connecting yeah. and learning starts happening. But we need to having a strong learning goal and then the success criteria. Mm -hmm. That it's going Mm -hmm. to take to actually get there is going to help our students persist when learning gets hard. Because they can always go back to when they start losing focus, like, why am I doing this? This is super hard, right? Right? They can go back to the goal. We can remind them. They can remind themselves. Partners can remind themselves. Like This learning goal needs to be posted and talked about throughout the lesson. Why are we learning this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then students have to be super clear on what what are the steps. Like I call the success criteria to um to going towards that learning goal, towards proficiency or mastery. I call it the to do list. Okay. We all have yep. those, right? Like, yep. <laughs> what is it going to take for me to be successful? So it's not just we don't just post the goal and have the kids know what the learning goal is, but How are they going to do it and how can they self-assess themselves along their journey? That's empowerment.
0: Yes. Yes. That self-assessment piece is, um, again, another form of partnership. The the responsibility of monitoring progress and, um, giving feedback isn't a hundred percent on the teacher's shoulders with, with UDL. It's a shared, even if it's a gradual release, still a shared responsibility. And, um, when students, take that ownership, Um, as you said, it is empowering
1: and it's motivating and it's engaging. Mm -hmm. Yes, very true. And the more we can shift the workload, the thinking to be on the learner, not the teacher where the the student is actually assessing where they're at in that progression of the learning goal, looking at that success criteria. Initially with success criteria, um, I encourage educators to create it just so students even know, like, what does it look like and talk to them about it. Like, this is why I'm thinking this is plausible success criteria here, okay? What do you think? Do you think right. what other success criteria would you need? But eventually, what we want, what we want students to be able to do, and some educators can jump in and start having edu- uh, students create their own success criteria. That's okay. But the majority of the teachers that I work with, when it comes to this, they're like, um, "Can I?" And I'm like, "No, let's do this first, but then let's explain to the students
0: mm-hmm.
1: what it is and how you went about thinking it out." And then ask them for their input. Do you think there's something else that would be needed? But eventually we want them to be co-creators with us.
0: They can develop
1: success criteria themselves if they know what the standard is asking them to know and be able to do and understand then from that, what is the ultimate learning goal, learning intention that by the end of the lesson, the unit, the course that they need to walk away with.
0: Yeah. And and when all of that is in place, um, everything you described from having that clear learning goal and success criteria, um, the student's understanding what makes a good one or what makes a good example of successful achievement of that learning goal, Um, I I read somewhere, it was phrased as, when those things are in place, no student is left behind. Um, And and we can very easily check for understanding with respect to clarity on that learning goal. and the success criteria. Um, but one thing that I, I wanted to ask you, because I know it is is one of the central tenets of universal design for learning, it's that firm goals, flexible means. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, to frame this in the context of what um, Ontario teachers are going through right now, um, which is a process of de-streaming um, our high school courses. So rather than having like different levels of study, we're having in grade nine, all students... Um, working to meet the same high expectations. Um, so really we are working through um, making that learning experience as best as it can be when we have this increased learner variability. So I guess my, my question is, um, if different students or different humans learn differently and, and we have to try our best to honor that variability, can we even have flexible programming or flexible means um, without
1: firm learning goals? No. <laughs> Let's go back to the trip analogy. Okay. Right? You're going to Newfoundland. That's your ultimate destination. That is going to then help you backwards map, backwards design, all the different flexible options that you can have to get to your ultimate destination. Right, Amanda? Okay. Yeah. Because if you don't have a firm goal... How can you create the flexible, intentional, and I say this, strategic choices right. that will lead to that firm goal? You won't. And that's what happened to me is that I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, okay, so the kids need to know in California, the California, all about California missions. So we did all these activities and then I started to look at what the standard was asking me to know be able to do wake up call girl it was a wake up call i'm like the what these activities have nothing to do oh they were fun like we cut, out, we cut out and we you know made paper mache and we you know it was it was such a waste of time and so then i started to research to say okay what do they need to know and be able to do about california missions And that helped me create strategic, flexible options for my assessments and my materials and my methods. Those are all part of the four UDL lesson design components. Right. It became very strategic, very laser focused. And my students flourished because I set them up for success. I was clear on the goal and so were they. They were clear on the success criteria and so was I. And then they could assess themselves along the way with that success criteria. And the beautiful thing is, is that in any learning environment, we know we have variability, but students have different entry points. The goal is firm. The goal is we expect rigor. We are not watering down our learning goals. We're not. What we're saying is we're providing multiple entries and scaffolds for kids to progress Along the way that they need to, because we know based on variability, not all students learn the same, but if we have a strong goal and strong success criteria, students can assess themselves, assess themselves along their journey. And what that builds is, is student efficacy that builds that I am knowledgeable. I do have an entry point. I belong here because my teacher and my peers support me in my learning progression, because it is super clear. That's empowering.
0: Right. And I hear you um, with that positive um, asset-based lens. This is what I do know. I do have an entry point Um, rather than focusing on deficits, um, which can sort of, you know, halt learning before it even begins um, when you made that switch, Lisa, to really being laser focused on your learning goals, did you see the students start to sort of exercise that autonomy and, and flex the means that they demonstrated that learning for you?
1: Eventually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I had to unlearn a lot of teaching practices that I came into education with, that that's the way I was taught, Um, so I had to unlearn and then almost help my students unlearn. And so I had to be honestly, Amanda, super vulnerable with my students and say, this is what I've noticed. And I take full ownership. I, I didn't know any better, but like Maya Angelou says, when you know better, (laughs) you do better. And so I, I was just honest with my students. Like, this is what I'm learning and let's do this together. I want your input. And so did was it like all of a sudden students became autonomous? And no, they weren't. They were super codependent because I created that environment. Miss Bosio, what do I do now? Miss Bosio, should I, I don't know. And can't you just tell me what to do? Um, you know, I don't know what to do when I start offering just a few choices. They, it, it I call it analysis paralysis, where (laughs) I just started off with just like two choices. And that's what I encourage teachers to do is don't overwhelm yourself. Just start off with, would you rather, would you rather? Um, We have a great um, document on our resources under on our website at Novak Education. Um, And what I found is, is that initially students, when I talked about the learning goal, they were like, what are you talking about? Aren't we just Mm -hmm. supposed to open up the book and answer the questions? Right. Right. Like those are all things that I, it wasn't the (laughs) students, it was me. And I had to look at my own professionalism and the way that I was teaching. And then I had to unlearn to help my students relearn. So was it an overnight? No, it wasn't. Was it hard? Yes, because I had to change my mindset. But was it worth it? Heck yeah. Why? Because eventually, eventually, I saw my students rise to rigorous, high standards of learning and engagement and being able to empower themselves as learners to make choices. And then I had them reflect on their choices. That's key having them reflect what did you choose and why did you choose it and how did that help you learn? And if you given the choice, would you do it again? Right? So doing that was a process. So educators that we are speaking to right now, Amanda, who are listening in baby steps, take baby steps and just involve your students in that process and help them understand how you're learning and don't expect things to change overnight. It doesn't. But it is so worth the journey because your kids will rise um, and be empowered because you're creating that inclusive environment that's universally designed that will empower them. And they will start feeling more confident about their choices. They will. Promise they will.
0: Ah. Uh-huh. Well, and, and that's, I think that's what we need to hear, um, that baby steps are okay, and that overnight results don't, no, it's off the table. Um, as much as we want that, especially when we spend our precious time and energy um, to try something, we really want a guaranteed result. And, you know, that's not life, but at the same time, it's great because what a, a what a valuable thing to model for students. Um, to be open and honest. And as you said, vulnerable, we're going to try this. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to learn together. Some of it's going to be great and some of it not so much. And we will learn from that either way. Um, And I think in every episode of this podcast, we always end up talking about the importance of modeling vulnerability and, Mm -hmm. and really um, that productive struggle because it's such a, a skill for students to, um, for their journey to feel good about themselves, to know themselves as learners, what works best for them and, and uh, uh, to ultimately cultivate those expert learners that we, we
1: want them to grow into. Definitely. Definitely. Because you know what, Amanda, they're going to leave us one day. Yeah, (laughs) they are. And really what, what do we really want them to leave us with? We want them they may not remember the algebraic equation or the chemistry lab, or they may not remember every, you know, uh, content that we taught, but we want them to be what the 21st century skills discuss. Yes. Are. We want them to be critical thinkers. Yeah, We want them to be collaborators. We want them to be problem solvers, right? So how can we as educators right here, right now, tomorrow, start cultivating that in our classroom. We have to universally design it. We've got to remove the barriers by starting off with a learning goal and the success criteria and allowing kids to have those strategic choices that ultimately in an assessment, in materials, in methods, will lead to proficiency of that goal or mastery of that learning goal and support them along the way to empower them because when they have to make choices and when they have to reflect on their learning just like what you just said they become critical thinkers they become mm-hmm. experts yes. because they learn how they learn and they become confident in their choices and that it's okay to make mistakes not to stay in that fixed mindset but let's and let's let's celebrate the fact that you blew it who cares you just learned what not to <laughs> yeah. do in that situation right that didn't work yes. for you right yeah yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and for that to be something to, to celebrate the learning that is inherent in that experience and, and not to feel badly about, um, the failure part, because, you know, we're never going to, um, have smooth sailing throughout our, our, um, you know, endeavors, especially when they're, they're challenging. And I wanted to come back to one thing you said about choice and, um, for teachers to sort of give themselves that, that, um, permission to maybe just offer two choices for now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to come back to that because I find with UDL, we sometimes get, um, sort of confused about what choices mean and, and, and why we're offering the choice. And it's, 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 again, it's not just random. It's based on what we know about our, our students. But, um, I, I, coming back to that, that journey to Newfoundland, we can either fly or we can take a ferry. Um, we're still getting to the same spot. So if we offer those two choices, um, I think, you know, it's, how do you sort of help folks understand that they're very intentional choices. It's not just a random, oh, let's do either a puppet show
1: or a diorama. (laughs) Yeah, I did plenty of those, Amanda. (laughs) Because you know what, Amanda, they were super fun. But, yes. but here's the deal. What we need to do is, and that, that's why you have to go back to, that's why UDL says firm goal. What's the firm goal? What do the right. kids need to know and be able to do, right? So yeah. if, if, and we can delve into this and we can, you know, the teachers can research this more, but if the standard is a content standard, meaning they have to understand something, they have to explain something, they have to explain the process of photosynthesis. They have to, um, you know, explain why the character is feeling that way in as a character as a character analysis, then that's a content standard. The choices for assessment, let's just talk about assessment. Yep. they could they do a video, they could write, they could, um, they could do an audio recording. They could, I don't know, do a poster. I mean, there's a couple different things. Now, would I offer all those choices at one time? No.
0: Okay. Would you yeah. rather
1: do an audio version or would you rather write about it or a video, right? So okay. yeah. we definitely don't want to just have writing. If the standard isn't clear, students have to write an argumentative essay, then why are we making students write to demonstrate understanding? Now, could that be an option? Yes. It can't be the only option because that's going to be a barrier, right? right. So we can offer, start with two choices. If it's a method standard, kids have to write. They're not going to do a puppet show, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have to write, solve, throw a ball, compose a piece of music. They're not going to do a diorama, right? And I have all of that craziness in (laughs) my choices, (laughs) right? They're going to have to do it, but we have to then say, what scaffolds am I going to offer for them to understand how to write a argumentative essay, informational essay, solve a quadratic equation? Can they look at exemplars? Can they meet in a small group? Can they, you know, if they have to have a discussion? Uh, can I give them sentence starters? Can I give them a word bank? What scaffolds choices mm-hmm. can I offer? Right. So right. starting off with two choices is, is, is crucial just because it doesn't overwhelm the teacher and the student.
0: Right. Right. And I, I what you said about the students sort of needing to be retrained, uh, trained really resonated with me because they are used to, um, I'm ready to be compliant. I'm ready to follow instructions. You tell me what to do, and I will do it. Or if I'm disengaged, I will not do it. Um, and sort of those were the the uh, you know the the paths that they they took. And um, yes, you're right. It's um, when we can model that foundation of those firm learning goals. Everyone's clear on what success, like the what the aspects of success include. Mm-hmm. Um, so our success criteria. Um, you're right. Then it, if it's skills based or content based, then the choices should sort of naturally flow from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find, and I, I did this as an English teacher for many years. Um, I wasn't always sure what learning I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I just wanted a product. I wanted mm-hmm. an essay, or I wanted, and just as you were saying, well, what are you? What learning are you assessing? Mm-hmm. And um, what happens a lot. And I'm just going to s- s- calm myself out on this. At the end of of the semester, if a student is unsuccessful, we need to complete a form to show which of the fourteen provincial expectations they were not successful with. And Lisa, if I'm honest, I didn't know. Hmm. I knew that they had completed this task, but not this task. Maybe they had completed their essay, but not their independent novel study. But that's not the same thing as knowing what learning
1: I was looking for and what learning the student had demonstrated. Yeah. And I think that's such a valid point. And when I sit down with educators as just as, as a Novak instructional coach, many times and not to the fault of their own, um, I'll say, hey, so what's the purpose of your lesson? And then they'll tell me all about the activities that they're going to do. Yeah. So it's not, I have to bring them back to, Hey, I love the fact that you've got some activities, but what, sh- what is the standard asking them to know and be able to do? What's the expectations? What do they need to walk away? What's the learning? And then tell me about your activities. And then let's look through those activities through the UDL lens to say, number one, are they relevant? And right, right. can I provide some choices and options? So not everybody's watching the video. Right. Not everybody is, um, you know, doing the same lab, like what other, how can I offer some strategic choices and options for my students to enter in still working towards that same firm goal, by the way. Right. Right. So, Mm -hmm. Right. And, and when we,
0: I feel like when we are clear about that firm learning goal and those success criteria, choosing the options becomes even easier because you know exactly, um, which learning experiences will provide, um, you know, a, a rich opportunity for the student to to demonstrate that learning.
1: Yes. And, you know, Amanda, and as we're talking about this, this is one thing I wanted to share that was has been super helpful for me as an educator, formerly in the classroom. And as I sit down with uh, educators and help them co-create, co-design, a UDL lesson with the resources that they already have. So if you're familiar, I'm sure you are with John Hattie's work, where he did a meta analysis, and you can look it up on it's called visible learning, learning meta x. And basically, this is what he said about learning goals and success criteria. So These are the three questions that students, so let's, first of all, let's talk with teacher. He calls it uh, teacher clarity. So Mm -hmm. here's the three questions that teachers, as they are planning their learning experiences, their lessons, whatever they're doing, right? The learning that they want the kids to walk away with. Here's the first three questions that teachers have to ask. And then I'm going to talk about what the students have to ask. And I want you to be thinking about, hmm, don't they kind of align? Yes, they do, right? So right, right. he talks about teacher clarity. So the first question every teacher needs to ask is, what do I want my students to know and be able to do? Hmm. Firm goal, right? Like, Yes, that sounds right? like a firm goal, yes. It's a firm goal. Like we've got to go back to what do, what learning do they need to know and do at the end of this lesson, the unit, the week, whatever. Second. Yes, yeah. Why do I want them to learn it? Like, why is it important that they learn it? It's not to take a test. It's not. And that's why we have at least the teachers and my former students, and I'll just throw myself under the bus. Miss mm-hmm. Bosia, what's my grade? What's the points? What am I going to get on this? What's my grade? And it became so focused on the grade. Yep. Learning wasn't even thought of by yes. the student because we've trained our kids to think like that. Like, oh, but yes. the grade the grade, right? No, it's about the learning. So why is it important, second question, that they learn it? Why is it important that they understand the process of photosynthesis? Now, sometimes it can be very relevant in their lives, okay? Sometimes I would just tell my students, honestly, it's setting a foundation for the next standard, the set of expectations that you're going to be learning. So it's crucial that you understand this in order to get here. So we're giving them purpose, right? We're making it relevant and authentic. Yes. Third, yes. How will I know that I've learned? How will I know that they have learned it? There's your assessment piece. There's your success criteria. Okay. Right, right. So that's the, those are the first three. Okay. Now student clarity. Now listen how they align, right? And then I'm going to share with you some of the, um, the effect sizes that Hattie talks about how we can uh, cause learning to grow exponentially within a year okay first question what am I learning (laughs) learning goal right this is where the learning intention or learning goal falls under the influence of mastery and what Hattie says is in his research it has the effect size of 0.58 meaning this Anything above a point four is one year's growth for a student in the classroom, one year. So just the student, you being clear and the student being clear on what am I learning, firm goal, so everybody's clear, it's going to increase student growth in your classroom by one year. And normally we only have one year with a student. Second, why am I learning this? Students want to know the purpose of learning this deals with student motivation and it has the effect size of 0.48 so another year's growth and third how do i know i've learned the information this is where your success criteria is this is where this allows the students to assess their own level of success and listen to this amanda when we do that learning goals, and success criteria, but we students are super clear on the steps it takes, the to-do list, what they have to pack for their journey, so to speak, so they don't get diverted and go to Chicago, right? (laughs) And we're not throwing things in there, so they're going to Chicago, right? That have nothing to do with the ultimate destination. It has an effect size of 1.44 years. Whoa. So think about, that's like three years growth in one year, so when we tie all of the learning goals and success criteria together, just doing that, think about over three years growth in one year. If it's done well, now it's not just because I I put up a learning goal and here's the success criteria and the kids throw away in the trash. I mean it has to <laughs> be very intentional. You have to we have to teach our kids and help them understand how to self-assess and self-evaluate the success criteria and always go back to the learning goal and then reflect after. What did I learn today? Where am I at in my learning journey? But there you go, right? If we don't have as much time, let's get super strategic on teacher clarity and student clarity and let's nail our learning goals and our success criteria and make those clear for us and our students.
0: Wow. Um, that I'm just sort of trying to process that, Lisa. <laughs> that it's incredibly powerful. And what I love about it is it's accessible. We can try a learning goal rooted in a standard or an expectation tomorrow. Um, we can put it in language that kids can access. And um, I know the research says that if we have that clarity, if everyone's on the trolley, um, the student and the teacher were all clear about where our goal is, where our destination is, and how we get there. Um, not only is no one left behind, but learning is easier. And when you say that three years of growth in, in one, it's because the learning, we've removed those barriers that make it so hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. And we've supported students so that it's not about getting a grade, it's about them understanding that learning is a journey. Yeah. That it's it's can be wonky, <laughs> it can have its ups and downs, but yeah, and it will and it will right because yes. like we said, learning is hard, and that's why in the framework we talk about how do we help kids persist if we want them to engage? We've right. got to make that learning goal super clear. Right. Right. We've got to have success criteria that's super clear. Why? Because then it allows the brain to focus on what is needed versus trying to figure out, like, what am I doing? Like, you know, you're going to Newfoundland and you're like, and you didn't have a concrete plan. Your, your brain would be like, okay, what's our next step? But if you have right. a plan, you can actually enjoy the journey a lot more and look at the beautiful sights along the way. Right. Yes. And, and yes. really in access the different things instead of being stressed out about Yes. Not knowing what I'm, what the expectations are, not knowing my journey, not knowing how we're going to get there, and kids either disengage and they become compliant and they just do rote, or they disengage and retreat, yeah. um, and they yeah. become more. You know, they deal with we deal with behavior problems, but you know what? It's not the kids' problem. Yeah. It's our design that we need to look at, right, and be vulnerable yeah. and say. I need to redo this because I'm not, I don't have teacher clarity. And so thus my students won't have teacher or student clarity. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Right. Um, Yeah. And, and, and um, I'm just, I'm getting this image of the fraction and I've done this as a teacher so many times, given a student, a fraction as as some form of feedback, um, as if that's something that they could use to improve their learning. And I, I, I've experienced this recently as a, in a student position, not knowing what marks going to come back because, um, you know, it, it's it, it's almost like that hidden curriculum of uh, if when we have to guess at what success looks like and guess at what the goal is, it's a very unsettling, vulnerable feeling that can be um, taken away and replaced with comfort and, and a solid feeling when we're clear on, on those, um, you know, goals and, and criteria. Yeah, definitely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We like feeling comfortable when we're learning and especially, um, how could we expect kids to take risks with their learning if they're, if they're feeling, um, uneasy or uncomfortable or vulnerable? Yeah. Well,
1: they won't, they won't, Amanda, let's just be honest. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I, even as an adult, I'm yeah. not like, if I don't feel like I have a support system or, or something to fall back on, or I understand what's expected and I can start thinking about like how to process that if I'm not super clear, then as an adult, sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's not worth it. Right? So I have no. to set myself up for success. So do our students. And that's where we come in. And then ultimately, like I said earlier, our students need to be developing their own success criteria. Like, that's what, honestly, Amanda, I that's what I used to do in my classroom once, once I became laser focused on the standard. I would even honestly, there were times I would put the standard up there in kid friendly language, because sometimes I look at ours in US. I'm like, yeah. what are they asking the kids to know? <laughs> Same I'm sure here you have that right. <laughs> Your yeah. expectations there, right? I'm like, what are they asking? I don't know. So I'd say, okay, so what do you think, what do you think our learning, the learning outcomes are gonna be? Like, what's the intended learning from here? So let's break it down. We're gonna break it down into goals and things like that. And then what would you need to be successful? Like what What are the steps? What would you need to do first? Or we would even backwards map it. And I am telling you, when when students become co-creators, which never happened when I was a learner in school, by the way, it was a sit and get. Oh, yes. yes. Wow. Amanda, right? I mean, how empowering to know that I am creating this lesson and I'm creating and offering suggestions for choices and options I'm creating my own success criteria and how it's going to help me move towards mastery or proficiency of that goal or learning intention. Yes. Right there, yes. when you're part of that process, you will move away from compliance and you're not only going to get engagement. This is, this is what I am researching is how to get students invested in their learning. And that's a whole engagement is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Because it takes attention and commitment. But ultimately, we want kids to be invested. And so many educators are saying, they're just not motivated. They're not invested. They don't. They don't. They're just not. And I'm like, are you clear on your goal? Are you clear on your success criteria? And then the choices and options that you're offering, just a few, are they relevant? Are they culturally relevant? Or are we still reading some old antiquated stuff? The kids are like, this is boring. Or maybe we can offer, say, Romeo and Juliet, speaking of being a former ELA teacher. (laughs) But some kids are like, and oh, the standard doesn't say, or at least here in the US, and I'm sure the expectations are don't say they have to read maybe a certain book. It says the learning that has to happen. So could we create some flexible choices and options that will ultimately lead to that learning goal? learning intention with success criteria that students can actually feel like this is interesting, which goes right back to the framework of multiple means of engagement. We've got to recruit interest, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to be firm on what the learning is first and the success criteria.
0: Yeah. And, and that, that's the coming back to that question. Can we even have um, flexible means without firm goals? No, we can't. Mm -hmm. And, and just what you're talking about, making that shift from engagement to investment um, we, we can't do that unless the students are seeing their interests and experiences reflected in that, in that journey. Um, and, and that's it that the learning goals and success criteria make that, make it possible to have options for students to bring themselves, um, to the, to the,
1: um, design process. Yes, definitely. They have to be clear, firm goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right and that really lends into deforce for questions for a professional learning community first thing they always ask in the in a plc if you're familiar with that which um you know what do the kids need to know to be able to do it lends right into that so people who are used to plcs it's not another thing we're doing no no we always start off with the firm goal always mm mm-hmm. And we're,
0: we're really working hard at that as, as well too. um The thing with universal design for learning is it's universal. It doesn't just apply to 17 and unders. It's any human learner. <laughs> so we're trying very, um, very intentionally to um, make sure that we're modeling that, that um, practice at, at every level. Um, yes. Yeah. If we want to learn, we, we, we need to, to um, look at the
1: science of how, how people learn. Yes, and how the brain learns and how the brain retains information and the three different networks of the brain that need to be lit up um, right. in order to actually not just learn, but to get to that deeper learning part of that brain to where the kids don't just take the test and they go, oh, well, and then they forget it. No, there's a like deeper learning going on here, more and effect, not just regurgitating facts, right? so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
0: so moving away from from compliance and um it's it's funny I'm gonna do a shout out to one of my supervisors Bessie because since I've known Bessie she's always said I go into classrooms and I ask three questions what are you doing why is it important mm-hmm. how do you know when you're done for the day <laughs> so <laughs> I love if and and sometimes when it's that middle question why is it important you know how many times you get kids say well, it's important because my teacher told me to do it, and <laughs> you know, there's good compliant student. However, you know, that's not our goal. Our our goal mm-hmm. is so much deeper than that. So, yeah. yes. um, well, I, I think we're ready to dive into the the one small thing segment. And I know it's a lot. We've we've covered a lot of um, of the the central ideas of, around learning goals and success criteria. But uh, for a beginning uh, or a teacher who's just starting to um, dive into this, what would a, a small step be that you could
1: suggest? The first thing that I would do is look at your standards, your expectation, and ask yourself, have that teacher clarity that John Hattie talks about, what do my students need to know and be able to do, right? It goes right in with UDL. So You're looking at everything that you are offering. Um, It could be reading a text. It could be doing a lab. It could be watching a video. Whatever activities you're doing. And does it align with the goal? What do they need to know and be able to do? And then here's the deal. You post it on the board. And you try and refer to it. You're going to open it up with the lesson. You refer to it. And I've had teachers, honestly, because, you know, it's a new habit to go back to, And hey, so let's go back. This is why we're doing this activity because ultimately this is going to help you learn this. Where are you at in this spectrum? Thumb up, thumb middle, thumb down. I've had teachers literally like put a post-it note in the back, like say the learning goal again, right? (laughs) I know. And then, then one of my friends, hilarious, had a student like hold a sign up in the back, like, Say the learning goal again, because she was trying to build the habit of bringing the kids back to the purpose of the learning. Like, right. why are we learning this? So do right. that, post it, and then try and refer back to it a couple times during the lesson. And then at the end, have your students reflect three, two, one, three questions you have, yes. two wonderings, one application, or what's one thing you learned today? Some sort of student reflection. Right. Just to kind of see an exit ticket um, and then start thinking about what would be the success criteria, the to-do list, the steps for kids in order to move towards, because they're not going to move towards mastery in one lesson. They're not. Right. So what is it going to take for them to do that? And then eventually you're going to share that but you've mm-hmm. got to start off with the firm goal and the right. success criteria, but baby step it, but talk to your students about it. Don't just use it like I did initially as wallpaper where it was <laughs> up and I never referred to it again because it was a compliance issue in yeah. my former school district. No, no. When you understand the power of learning goals and success criteria, you are going to be posting them and bringing them for. Uh, forward and having a discussion with your students um, all the time about it because it yeah. brings purpose to it.
0: Yeah. And and I, I love your emphasis on you've got to come back to it because it is possible to post a learning goal anchored in a curriculum expectation or a standard and ignore it for the whole lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I agree. We got to come back and refer to it, involve the students, as you said, and, and just start to plant those seeds of that partnership. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, exit card that you're talking about just what did you learn today and um the you know we it's hard to measure whether or not they achieve the learning goal unless we've got some you know success criteria so yeah I I love it and it's it you're right it's a it's an it's an accessible first step because you can just start with one
1: goal just one One goal just one just I tell teachers they're like do I universally design all my lessons I'm like that's crazy making. <laughs> We're going to go insane. Don't. One <laughs> lesson for the week. Just one. Just yeah. just, just one. And, uh, and just start with posting your learning goal. And one thing that they can do too, Amanda, I was just thinking about this. Um, if, if you're like, oh, I don't know um, about success criteria, here's the deal. Here's a couple ways that you can put the students in the driver's seat and in the thinking seat. You can... Give the students uh, like uh, an example or an exemplar of a completed task and just have them chat in a partner, small group, solo. So you're going to give them some choices and options there. What do you think? Here's the end product. Here's the finished essay. Here's the finished math problem. Here's the finished lab. Here's the finished um, uh, composition of music. What are the steps do you think it took to be successful to get there? Right, so, so you put the thinking in the kid's lap, right? And that gets them thinking, oh, so there are steps to success. Yes, there are. Yeah. right? Which is a life skill, right? Which is right. awesome. Right. So start giving them, put it out there. You're going to have to structure it, but give them choice on yeah. looking at an exemplar. Maybe some kids want to do it by themselves. We need to honor that variability. They want to okay. do it in a small group. They want to do it with you. Okay, give some, but they're all working towards the same goal of understanding what are this, what are the steps. And then you can compare that with what others came up with, and then helping them understand, ah, so this is what success criteria is. Yes. And then now let's co-create it together. Let's put everything that you came up with and let's develop our own. Yeah. Right? So that's a super cool way. So if the teacher's like, well, I don't know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or if a teacher just like no, I want to have my kids start to think about it. That is another option.
0: Yeah, beautiful. I love I love it all. It's um it's accessible and um it gets you excited about being in the classroom. Um, right. Lisa, I've got a, a a resource that almost takes through through the steps of what you just described of the learning goals, a bit of a model, and then unpack the model for the success criteria. So I'll post that on the resources. Um, website that goes along with the podcast. And then if there's anything else that you want to pass along, I can certainly
1: um, post that up there as well. Yes, I have a few. So I'll just let you know what those are and uh, teachers can select what would be most relevant for them and take that little dive in with the baby (laughs) steps, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, thank you so much. This has been just as Wonderful as I thought it was going to be. Um, it, it's been such a pleasure to have these conversations
1: with you. Oh, and Amanda, thank you so much. And, and let me just tell you, educators, and I know Amanda, you would say the same thing celebrate the baby steps that you're taking. Don't look at, oh, I'm not there yet, or my kids aren't getting it yet, or they don't understand the learning goal, or I, what? No. Celebrate the fact that. You're looking at your expectations in a different way. You're looking at it through a UDL lens and celebrate, congratulate yourself, do what you need to do to, to celebrate those baby steps because it's the little steps that we take that, that lead us to our Newfoundland, right? It leads us to our (laughs) our ultimate destination, right? So yeah, yeah, I just want to just encourage teachers, please celebrate the baby steps that you're taking and surround yourself with people who celebrate the same things that you are. That means this all kids cannot just survive, but they all can thrive when we universally design their learning environment and start off with strong learning goals and success criteria. So thank you, Amanda. It's been <laughs> Thanks, fabulous. Thanks, Lisa. We
0: needed to hear that. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, take care, Lisa. Thanks so you much. Too. Thanks, Amanda. Bye. Bye.